Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Welcome along as we are in the run-up towards uh, the Easter break. There's been lots going on at your REC. Really enjoyed getting out and about on the road around the country, actually seeing REC members in person uh, over the last few weeks. A fantastic visit to uh, Cardiff uh, just the other day, but we're also making sure that we are keeping across everything that's happening in Whitehall and Westminster for you, particular updates around our work on healthcare and our work on uh, digital right to work checks available for you on the website at the moment. And in terms of other things for you to be aware of from the REC, we had our report on jobs that was published on the 8th of April that showed while the pace of increase in the market has moderated a little bit, that's not a surprise. We had our 11th straight month of growing permanent billings, a similar sort of picture in terms of growing temp billings, still a very positive uh, market out there and of course leading to both a tighter than ever candidate picture and uh, starting pay for perms and temp rates at levels we've never seen before in our uh, monthly survey, so peaks since the survey began back in 1997. So still a very hot market. Of course, the inflation, the horizon as a potential threat, but around the country, I'm hearing about a very positive market on average from members. And of course, that's creating real pressure on our own workforce. And so the REC will be doing a lot on that in the months to come. We started that just a couple of weeks ago by publishing some benchmarking data for recruitment salaries from Sendex. You can access that on the REC website if you're a member and we'll be making that one of many themes we'll cover at this year's REC annual conference. That's June the 30th online entirely digital so you can join from where you are and you can also access the sessions for a while afterwards if you miss them live. Do sign up at the REC website rec.uk.com for what will be an exciting day with a fantastic panel of clients talking about how their businesses are changing, including a special guest speaker talking about the NHS, and a panel of uh, recruitment leaders talking about the recruitment workforce and all sorts of issues, like, for instance, our topic for today. You know, how are you getting access to more candidates, especially in an environment where jobs boards are becoming more difficult to work with? Lots going on, therefore, at the REC, but today we're going to dig down into that candidate shortage question, and in particular, the industry's relationships with jobs boards, and I'm delighted to welcome to chat this through uh, someone many of you will have come across, the REC's Customer Services Director, Christian Fowlsmith. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Neil, and thanks for the invite and bringing me along. It's um, obviously a very key topic at the moment, and I'm, I'm delighted to come along and discuss it with you. As you can see from the figures and stats that you've been talking about just now, we're in a, in a very massively candidate-led market, and um, there's going to be some huge impacts on the industry and how we operate going forward. So I think looking at this, a lot of the focus has been on some of the pricing decisions made by one or two of the jobs boards. We've seen some very significant increases being pushed through at renewal points up you know, multiple hundreds of percents in one, case, one or two cases. 
and of course, the the challenge there is, of course, the jobs boards themselves are struggling with getting access to candidates. But in addition to that, there's a, a sense from their part that they, they think they're a critical part of our supply chain. And I suppose for me as an kind of ex-recruiter and in my past as a consultant, I can remember when the papers were ramping their prices because their volumes were going down. I do wonder whether there's a longer term change going on here as well about how we source candidates uh, and maybe some of those traditional routes to getting access to candidates that maybe have been in abeyance a little bit in a looser labour market in the past couple of decades are going to be coming back if jobs board credits are costing more and uh, and the, the market's tighter, you know, that candidate-led market you talk about. What's your take on that, Christian? I think it comes back to recruitment being cyclical and a lot of what happens in the economies tends to be cyclical. I'm glad you said ex-recruiter and I start to feel old in the uh, long in the tooth and grey in the hair when I start to think back to when I joined recruitment way back in 2001. But that, when I joined, was a very candidate-led market and you're absolutely spot on with what you said around the, the newspapers and the old-school paper advertising methods. Their prices started to go up exactly the same as what we're seeing with the job boards. But what that did lead to was the company I worked for at the time, which was Staffline Group, looking for how could they leverage their unique brand, how could they leverage the the communities, phrases that used to be talked about and are starting to come back into fashion again is making employees an employee of choice within a specific region. And it's quite interesting, really. If you look at how jobs board interactions have happened it's partly down to the the people looking for the jobs but it was also partly down to the recruiters themselves what i mean by that is that the generations of smartphone users etc were seeing very quick wins to if you wanted to find a job you could keying a job search and see hundreds of postings straight away and it made it very easy for everyone And the flip side to that was it also became a sales tool because recruiters were using jobs boards to scrape CVs to have a look at what positions were coming up and that they could actually market out to as well. So the impact of jobs boards candidates drying up is having a twofold effect. One is recruiters are having to work harder to find some of the leads. And secondly, they're having to work harder to find the candidates. So you end up with a, a double-barrelled sword on that one. Double-barrelled sword. We're on the mixed metaphors. Double-barrelled sword, yes. <laughs> I've got, sort of, in my head, I've got the kind of two-ended lightsaber from Star Wars in in my mind. Now, this, um, I think that's right. Let me give you, I think, what I'm hearing from chief execs in the REC membership about this right now. And maybe, as ex-recruiters, we can kick that around a little bit. Jobs boards are pushing their prices up. I think some of that is about argument that agencies should be paying the same as a direct hire. I don't think that's necessarily right in terms of the return on investment agencies get from jobs boards. But also, if I'm an agency, I'd rather if you applied for a job that I'm advertising, Christian, you didn't then send the candidate who just applied for my job 10 other alternatives to try and draw them away from us. But there's a 
what we're seeing there is a classic bait and switch. So credits have been cheap and they're now more expensive. The right response there is to think, well, what does the price change mean for us? At the REC, obviously, we're engaging with boards to see what we can do in terms of improving the offer that jobs boards make. But I think there's also something in just thinking about the ROI you get from individual credits. So educating consultants that credits are not next to free anymore and that therefore you have to have clarity of ROI and you know that other things might work better for you. You know, there are certain sectors of industrials where REC members are finding Facebook works better than a jobs board. There are plenty of areas of professional where the right relationship with LinkedIn works better. Plenty of members have kind of a sizable candidate databases that they aren't yet quite efficiently working well enough with it where there's more to come in terms of that or referral schemes there's a whole range of different tools for candidate sourcing i think we're getting a a real sense from the chief executive i talked to of dusting down that good old-fashioned kind of toolbox of different candidate sourcing tools and seeing what works so that you can target jobs board spend more effectively And in doing that, take more of a what I'd call a media buying approach. So knowing why you're buying with a certain jobs board because it serves a certain niche and you know you're going to get return on the spend. I think all of that requires a bit of central planning from agencies and it requires a bit of consultant education as well as being able to having command of the data. And then the last bit, I think, is, you know, what happens to jobs boards going forward? Because I'm not convinced the kind of jobs boards we have now aren't just the technology of 2010. And one of the reasons for this, like with the papers, is actually they're going to start struggling to maintain service, in which case, you know, what are those businesses become? But we can come on to that in a in a little bit. What's your reflection on that as a kind of a read that maybe I'm hearing around the, the country from REC members, Christian? Well, you stole one of my metaphors I was going to use, actually, in a, in a kind of way, which was, if you look at how the new generation of job seekers are working, they are much more tech savvy and, and social media savvy. And if I was to say to you, I'm going on holiday to Anglesey next week, I wouldn't particularly go out and trawl website after website looking for a good restaurant. I know for a fact you've been there and you're in my network and I might ring you or message you on social media and say, I'm going to this area. Can you suggest somewhere good to go to eat? And I think that's starting to happen in the jobs market. People are transitioning in a way from jobs boards in the volumes they were and looking for other methodology to find their career goals. And I think what we're now seeing is youngsters are, are more... Job seekers, especially job seekers in this day and age, are now looking at where can they get the right information about vacancies coming up very quickly. And if you look at what jobs boards quite often advertise, it's a paragraph that is very generic. But then when you start to look at social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, you're getting actual reactions from people that have been to start to work through a a recruiter or to start to work through a direct employee and that gives a much broader picture about what potential you might be stepping into into a new role so i think the way that people interact with job boards is changing and i think the way that people actually look for their next career move is changing i think where there will be strength on job boards is the niche job boards where an architect is looking for 
a new a new person to take on into their practice they will be getting a higher result from using a niche job board because there is a certain spec having membership of something like riber uh, as a, a prerequisite to going into that industry etc that works very well so i think you're very correct on having that clear roi about what you want to achieve out of putting that vacancy and where you put that vacancy onto a job board because if you're needing volume recruitment or you're needing more generalist recruitment positions referrals is probably always going to be the strongest way you're going to get your repeat business and get your volumes through the doors etc and it's still the way that if you build your agency's identity and have that great customer service and that candidate management and i think what we're seeing now is a transition away from the higher volume let's get the cvs through the door if we actually hit 30 cvs we'll get five placements out of it and that's a good result to now actually we're going to manage the 10 cvs we get and we're going to manage those candidates really well and we might get eight of those into position because we've managed and looked after them. So we're seeing information from our members that says we want more on candidate managing and sourcing because we understand that actually the market has changed and we're going to have to work closely at holding candidates' hands right through the journey, making sure the expectations so that the customer and the client at one end are getting information back to people in time because for every agency that's looking for a person there's probably two or three working sometimes with the same the client so if if the delay is happening then it's not going to be managed through in the correct process but i think it's going back to that cyclical piece it's going back to how recruitment was in the early 2000s before which was you had to really make a strong identity for yourselves strong identity for your your consultants as well and marry those two up to, to give a real good customer service through that whole journey into placement. So I think that's that's really powerful. By the way, Urban Tiger and Holyhead is the answer to your question about where to go in on Ecclesi, <laughs> although that's on Holy Island just off the coast. I think there's um I think there's something in this which is if you look at where the, the smart money is in the industry right now in terms of investment, you know, there's been a lot of action around push notifications and things like that going on. But also you see the recent sale of a business like Candidate ID, which is all about getting hold and identifying those passive candidates and managing them through. Those kinds of technology businesses are getting a lot more interesting to recruiters by comparison with simple online jobs board. And for me, I think that's probably the ebbing of a tide that was driven by the idea that the labour market in Britain is always loose, that there's always candidate supply. And for 10, 15 years there was. But now, demographics, post-Brexit, post-pandemic, I think we should be prepared for a candidate-led market for five to ten years at least. And in that environment, finding the passive candidate becomes all the more the holy grail. And they're just not going to be on job sites. So for for me, that piece around recruitment as a human business, a human sector, where it is about your brand as you set out and about kind of how you manage your candidates and bring them on board, allies with a different sort of technology use in terms of how you resource 
uh, for candidates and then a much clearer use of data so that where you are using jobs boards or you are using LinkedIn or other tools, you're doing it because you know it's going to be successful before you do it rather than as something you do while you're doing everything else. And that, that feels fundamentally different, but as job board prices go up, that's the route that I'm seeing lots and lots of REC members follow to maintain or reduce jobs board spend, but get a bigger bang from it. Yeah, I mean, when we looked at the poll results that we we put out there, the great thing about this was that recruiters just weren't taking the increases for granted. There was a lot of, actually, we're going to step away from this or we're going to renegotiate. There wasn't this, we're just going to quietly accept this. And it is, it is a bit of a piece where it's a bit endemic of what we're going through at the moment as a as a society and with the the changes in how people are looking for work and what candidates are available. Recruiters are picking and choosing who they work with more clearly and closely to make sure that they've got the right mix. And I think as part of that process, recruiters also need to pick and choose what tools they want to use to source those those candidates for those mixes. We're going to see a big step change in people looking at AI towards recruitment. That'll be the next leap that comes after job boards, I feel, because it's the next evolutionary step in in the technology. And I think it's really, we have to be really mindful that as people transition away from potential, transition away from job boards, that the job boards have to try and find some way to recoup this investment they've put in and to to um, look after their business models. Big price hikes isn't the way to do that, but that's how some people will look at it in short term and that might damage them in the long run. But the other risk is that they become more like recruitment agencies themselves. And at that point, they need to make sure that they're regulated and that they're in the right place and following the right legislation and not doing it via stealthy backdoor. Well, I think that puts your finger on kind of the third bit of what I see is the REC's job in this. So one is, what can we do to bulk buy and reduce costs? And I think that will take time to achieve, you know, the business partnerships work that you and your team are doing, you know, where the, the REC business partners are, are ships are entirely designed to save members money and make members' lives easier. Then there's the second piece around, well, what can we do to, you know, what skill sets can we apply to make sure that our resourcing activities are efficient and effective? And right down to kind of thinking about jobs boards credit, so as we would think about buying advertising more broadly, you know, will this work for us and what's the guarantee that it will? What skills do our consultants need to, to survive and thrive in this world? The third bit then is, well, if the model of jobs boards being ubiquitous is running out of steam and we think that there's a role for them as niche specialists well what about the ubiquitous business and the answer there probably is and you've seen a little bit with uh, one or two of the big players is to start to get back towards being the employment business now if that's the case there's nothing against jobs boards moving into that market but you're regulated by 1973 act and by the conduct regulations and you have to live play by the rules that the rest of us play by. So probably that's where there's a job for the REC campaigns team to keep on top of that and make sure that the market isn't being undercut. People buy propositions which aren't kind of 
compliant with the very stringent regulations we have on agencies here in the in the UK. But I think from a member point of view, and just try and draw this together a little bit, Christian, from a member point of view, I'm looking at this and thinking, well, it's about consultant education. It's about data understanding. Do we know what we're getting for what we're spending? And it's about a willingness to make choices on which tool to use for the job that we face on any given day. But all of that layering over uh, an idea of the the job is primarily being a human job. And it's about kind of how we how we want to land candidates and present the opportunities that that clients are giving us. Is that is that reasonable as a sort of conclusion to be heading for from this chat? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think the the last strand to that is the client management piece as well. It's just educating the client where everything is at in terms of the market and the differences in how candidates will be sourced. And that's where the REC data has always been really powerful at showing the clients where the market trends are as well and using that data to to really educate and show what recruiters are, are doing for their fees in sourcing the candidates. I think the one thing that we haven't touched on, which I do think job boards have helped quite a lot with and have done a really powerful piece, is that they helped with EDI. And the job boards took away some some of the in-person piece at the beginning of the, the selection process. And actually, that's opened up the market for people to be able to apply for jobs that potentially in the past would have had barriers or felt like they had barriers to actually applying for work. And I think that's the one thing that whatever we do going forwards in terms of technology recruitment processes is that some of the gains that were made in the markets via job boards providing some of that anonymity moves forward so that it helps protect some of those characteristics going forwards. I think that's a a key point that I always thought was very strong about some of the work the jobs boards did. And I think in the environment that we face now of a much tighter labour market, both a commercial and an ethical driver for the industry, you know, one of the things we have to do as the recruitment industry to demonstrate our worth is show how working through us makes a bigger difference on EDNI issues. If we're doing less with jobs boards, we need to make sure that we're sufficiently inclusive in the areas that we're working with instead. So a powerful reminder there, and it's certainly something that's top to of the list of concerns here at the REC in terms of supporting members to to make a real difference on inclusion. That picture of a very kind of very changing resourcing landscape then says that as recruitment industry leaders, we need to be thinking about what's next, how we use our data, and some of the the human impact stories, uh, not just uh, from the point of view of quality, diversity, and inclusion, but also the kind of skill sets our staff need and how we help them to develop to understand where the return on investment might be. So in some ways... It's possible, as with many challenges, that the kind of the position the jobs boards have adopted or some jobs boards have adopted will be the kind of mother of the next stage of the industry's development in terms of a much more selection based approach to which tools we use for which job. And that in the long run ought to seed productivity. 
as always, I think the the REC will be here to help recruiters navigate all of that. But you know, a case in point being the work we did recently with the CDEI on the responsible use of AI in in recruitment. It seems to me this is a really fast changing space, and that some of this technology is just moving on, maybe away from jobs boards a little bit. But you know, every time you move away from one bit of technology, you know, Christian, I'm obsessed with blockchain enabled skills and identity credentialing there's new technology coming coming down the track so i think there's a lot for for you and the business advice team at the rec to be picking up on in this isn't there there's sort of twofold approach one which you touched on is that we're trying to get the bulk purchasing methods for jobs boards through partnerships that reduces the cost down for members to reasonable levels and if that doesn't happen there will always be new jobs boards being created that will come in with a more social or ethical outlook on that position. And that might be the the way that someone goes in the future, that they they take that position and it becomes much stronger. Healy will be very proud that you mentioned blockchain. And I know the work that he's been doing has been brilliant on how we can bring blockchain and, and identity into the technology moving forwards. But it's like anything that happens in recruitment, we're always at the cutting forefront of employment legislation. Clients have always looked to recruiters to steer them through how times are changing. Um, I remember it from going through AWR, how the REC helped helped me when we were helping clients move that way. And all it, all it is is recruiters are very versatile and very entrepreneurial so as something changes they're looking for the next thing to help alleviate the challenges they face they've always been very resourceful we have to be it's a market which drives resilience in people resourcefulness and i'm quite looking at the team that i've built in the customer service team that include the business advice and the partnerships is that we've brought ex-recruiters into those roles because they understand the challenges but they also demonstrate the characteristics we need, which is how do we move beyond the next challenge? What's the next thing to assist? So that's what my team's currently working on, is looking at what's the next step for AI, what's the next step for training recruiters and consultants into the the newer stages of candidate sourcing and attraction or candidate management. In fact, this, this month we released, well, last month we released a new candidate and management resource in training course and it's the first two modules sold out straight away because it's it's a key topic at the moment and it's one of the challenges we're doing so across the rec there's training there's business advice stuff online there's the partnerships i think we're trying to do as much as possible that just sort of gives recruiters some of the tools for that toolbox but i think just drawing on generally what you said, Christian, and try and pull this together a little bit. I mentioned earlier my my days in the nineties advertising the press, but I can remember when kind of the first internet uh, job search came about in the late nineties, early two thousands. It was going to finish the industry then, and we've always shown a resilience and an adaptability as recruiters. And this feels like another one of those situations where we're just going to have to evolve beyond the level of use of jobs boards that we've got used to in a looser labour market, but we'll be supported in that by the fact that the, there are new options like, for instance, you know, AI-related tools, and you mentioned what we're doing. You know, we've recently published uh, that work with the CDEI on 
using AI ethically and I think that kind of thing is going to be ever more important. So as always, as you and I both always say, the REC by members' sides and at members' back to make sure that we're supporting adaptation and the some of the price hikes that we've seen from drug stores are certainly unwelcome, but it may be that it's also a stimulus to uh, address some stuff that that maybe we feel is ne- needed addressed for some time. Christian, thank you for joining us on today's edition of the podcast. No, thank you for inviting me. I think the last thing I'd just like to say is if you had a pound for every time you heard something was going to finish the industry, we probably both retired by now. That's true. And people told me something was going to finish off the industry in the 90s. And uh, we're still here and bigger than ever as the uh, REC Industry Standards Report shows. And thank you to all of you for joining us on this edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. As I mentioned earlier, the REC uh, conference this year is online on June the 30th. You can sign up on the website now. And if you've enjoyed this edition, why not check out some of our back catalogue from 2022. Plenty on technology there, but also a couple of fantastic episodes about the human side of recruitment, including episode six with Katrina Collier, the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter, which is very on point with the message of the discussion that Christian and I have just had. Thank you very much for joining us and do join us again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.